everyone, welcome. Pastor Steve here, and we're glad you're in the Scattered Groove, or maybe some are listening to the replay of this message with yourself or with your family, so welcome here uh, to our passage in 1 Samuel chapter 10. That's where we'll be going, and I hope you've already had good conversations there in your dis- in your discussion time and just uh, welcoming everyone into your group. Our scatter season number one for this year, scatter season one, will continue through April, and then we'll take a break in uh, May and June. Then scatter season number two will start in July. That'll go all the way through October, and then we'll take a break in November and December, and then 2023 will be here. We'll start season one again for 2023, and we'll kind of make that plan to have several months on and two months off of a break. We'll continue to have messages posted online that you can have for your own Bible study, and some unofficial scatter groups uh, continue during those times as well. Those are busy seasons, both of those months, at those different times of the year. And so we're trying to help people in uh, their home groups there as well. So we had a great Awana race. Thank you for the good participation. I already look forward to next year. I know a lot of you are planning your cars for next year already. So uh, that was a terrific event. And also Easter is about four, less than four weeks away. So let's be praying for this. We are planning to send out 4,500 postcards in the mail. So let's pray for those postcards that people will see them and will want to come to our worship service on Resurrection Sunday. And then also they'll be available in the lobby for you to hand out personal invitations to your family and friends. It's possible that we may also have a canvassing day with some young people maybe handing out flyers door to door. And also in a few weeks we have our spring cleaning days and please check your inbox we do need a lot of help inside and outside the building and so uh, we appreciate that all right we're in first samuel chapter 10 and by the way scatter group leaders if your scatter group is not attended by as many people as you would like then please invite some people we have little yellow invitation cards invitation cards you can take and put your info on and invite people personally to come to your group and so that'd be great our goal is to have 16 or less and then once we get to have a lot more then we can add other host (coughs) pardon me host locations that could uh, participate in the coming months and so that's our plan for scatter group and some other miscellaneous announcements so let's go ahead and pray at this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to meet and to gather in our small groups. We thank you for the church gathered on Sunday, and we thank you for the church scattered where we're living life together and conversing and knowing one another and praying together in our small groups. We do pray that you would teach us now from your word. Let us all be encouraged with whatever circumstances and situations we find ourselves in. Let us commit ourselves to you and the issues and things that's going on. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the coronation of a king or the confirmation. The confirmation of a king is what we can call our message here today. How do you know the will of God for your life? How do you know the will of God? What are some evidences that the Lord has presented to you as proof, as proof positive evidence of fulfilling the will of God, of knowing and following 
God's calling for your life. Saul is going to be the first king in Israel in our passage today. And the Lord presents to him three evidences that he really will be anointed and will be coronated to be the first king of Israel. Now, at the time of the anointing, in chapter uh, 10, verse 1, is when Saul is anointed by Samuel. In the previous chapter, our message last time, Samuel invites Saul to a, a special feast, and he gives him the prime uh, portion of food there, and he honors him, and he says, I'm, I'm going to be anointing you. So sometime later here, it's the next day, I believe, in chapter 10, verse 1, Samuel took the vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Previous to this, Saul was uh, was wandering around looking for his donkeys, and God had told Samuel, "You're going to find a guy looking for. He's going to find you rather. He's looking for his donkeys, and he's going to be captain over my people." The word captain it has to do with commander in chief, kind of like we call our president, commander in chief. He'll lead the people in and out of battle to deliver them in a similar way to what the the judges were doing, but he's going to be the king. He's going to be the captain of the forces. And so he's coronated a captain. We know that to be the king of Israel. He's, he's anointed to be as such in our passage here in verse 1. So how would Saul know that this is for real? I mean, only he and Samuel know that God has said, and he said it to Samuel, anoint Saul, he's going to be the king. So how can he know for certain, know for sure, that this is for real? Is Samuel right? Am I really going to be the king? And so God gives him three evidences that this is the will of God for his life. And there are three evidences that we can find and be encouraged from in our lives as well. So we're going to look at the whole text here, beginning in verse 2 now. When thou art departed from me today, when thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Zelah, and they will say unto thee, the asses, that's the donkeys, which thou wentest to seek or found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses and, sor and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? So what Saul wanted to prevent in the previous chapter, I don't want dad worried about me. Well, he's wondering, where is Saul? He wasn't focused on the donkeys anymore. Thou shalt uh, then go forward from thence, and shall come to the plain of Tabor. Now, I've been to Mount Tabor. It's around the mountain in Israel. There's a, a valley and a plain there, right around that area. And there shall meet thee three men going up to God, to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. These men are bringing an offering to go up to the high place at Bethel, to offer a sacrifice or several, three sacrifices to the Lord, each of them having a lamb with them. And they will salute thee, verse 4, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, 
where is the garrison of the Philistines? And it shall come to pass, when thou art come hither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and tabra and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. So they're having a little musical parade as they're traveling to a place of worship. And notice in the next verse, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. So the Holy Spirit is going to come upon him. And then let it be that these signs are come upon thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Saul, you're going to have these three things happen. This is confirmation. God is with you, and you will be the king. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down to thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee and show thee what thou shalt do. So Samuel says, I'll come and I'll, then I'll tell you what to do after seven days. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. So he turns and as soon as he turns, the spirit of God comes upon Saul and he becomes a new man. He is a new person, and he has a new heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of the prophets met him. And a company of God came upon him, and uh, the Spirit of God, rather, came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass that when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the, one of the same place uh, answered another and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? So it, was, it became a saying, Is Saul also among the prophets? And when they had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. And Saul's uncle said to him and to his servant, Whither went ye? And he said, To seek the asses. I was looking for the donkeys to his uncle. And when we saw that they were nowhere, we came to Samuel. He does not mention that Samuel told him, You're going to be king. He does not mention, Samuel has anointed me to be king. I, I think it's kind of an indication of humility here. Maybe some uncertainty still on the part of Saul. And Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the asses were found, but of the matter of the kingdom whereof Samuel spake, he told him not. And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpah, and said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought thee up out of Egypt, and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all kingdoms, and of them that oppressed you. And ye have at this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversaries and your tribulations. And ye have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. So they're kind of uh, parading everyone by, and he's going to choose out of all these different tribes, and then from in the tribe, from uh, the different families, and then eventually he'll get down to that one person that's been called by God to be the king in response to the demand of the Israelite people. 
And he caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families. And the family of Matri was taken. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken. He said, Saul, where's Saul at? And when they sought him, he could not be found. What's the deal with this? Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come hither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. All right, is there somebody else? Lord, where is the man? He's not here. He was hiding among the stuff. I like that good Old Testament word. He's hiding among the stuff. So he found some uh, belongings, some things, maybe a tent or something, and some uh, things in a pile somewhere. He's hiding. But all these people are trying to figure out where Saul is at because Samuel said, all right, Saul's the man. And they ran and fetched him thence. And he stood, when he stood among the people, he was higher than all the people from his shoulders and upward. Remember, he's standing the head, head and shoulders, uh, at least a head, 12 inches or so in height above uh, the, the common size of a Jewish man. And uh, Samuel answered and said unto all the people, verse 24, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his own house. I believe part of that writing is uh, something from Deuteronomy. And it could also be the first several chapters in First Samuel where he described what the king would be like. We un unpacked that a few weeks ago. So he was writing, I think, for Samuel, and he gave that to them. He wrote it in a book. Here's what the king's going to be like. And maybe he was rehearsing also what was found in Deuteronomy. And Saul went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. So God had already knit their hearts together for some of these men to follow him and want to serve him as their king. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. You know, something that would be common to a celebration like this would, to bring, would be to bring presents, to recognize, to acknowledge, okay, this is a special man, this is a special time, and these other guys, men of Belial, men of Satan, they had jealousy in their heart, and they didn't want to recognize someone as being their head, as being their leader. So when Samuel comes to... Saul, he kisses him in verse 1, is a sign of personal affection. He bows down to him. This is an expression of loyalty to the crown. He anointed him, which to the Hebrews represented the power of God being, being poured out upon this person, being infused into this person. In the Old Testament, the anointing with oil symbolized the setting apart of a person or an object for divine surface, uh, service. It was also accompanied by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So when Samuel poured oil on Saul's head, that act represented God's approval on Saul as the leader of his people. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter is speaking and preaching about Jesus, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And so even Jesus was anointed. Saul is a small picture of the future 
person we know as Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Now, the company of the prophets, we read about the company of the prophets. You're going to meet some prophets, and then Saul starts to prophesy with the prophets. He spends seven days with them. It's like he's in prophet school for seven days. Well, uh, it's the first mention in this passage of a prophetic guild, and uh, it's the first time it's prophetic guild. A lot of scholars and Bible historians look at this, and they believe that Samuel is the one who started this basically like a Bible college or a school of the prophets, a guild for the prophets, and so it's probably uh, it's probably the case in the way that it really is. So Saul is given three evidences by God, conf- confirming God's will, for his life. Can I suggest to you that God gives clarity to our calling as well? God gives you and I clarity as to our calling. Why am I working this job? Why am I going to this school? Why am I interested in marrying this person? God can give us clarity in our calling as well. Let's notice three ways that he does that for Saul and three ways he can do that for us. In verse 2 we find problems solved. The problem for Saul was, my donkeys are still missing. It's been several days. We've been looking for a while. He takes some time to eat this food with Samuel. He spends another night. And so he was looking for these donkeys. But Samuel said they've been found. But my problem is, I need to bring the donkeys back to my father. And I don't want father to worry about where I'm at. So problem was the donkeys, but God solved that problem. And in verse 2, now behold, the king walketh before you. I'm sorry, um, wrong, wrong passage here. Next page over. When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin at Azizah, and they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses, and sorrow for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Your donkeys have been found. We found them. We took them back. Your dad's wondering, Where are you at? And so, God solved his problem. What problem or problems do you have today? God can solve your problems. You know, when we have problems, we can we can sometimes become discouraged, sometimes defeated, sometimes become we become displeased or angry because of the problems. We can become defiant sometimes about the problems that we're facing. What are some problems that you have today? Now, it was not an accident that those donkeys went missing. I wonder if God didn't put it into the mind of those donkeys to go look for food somewhere else, to look for water or shade somewhere else. And sometimes what we look at as a problem, God is orchestrating something in the bigger picture, in the bigger scheme of things. And we need to learn to trust the Lord when problems come up, because God can use those problems to cause us to trust Him more or to orchestrate His plan in our life. Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for good to them that are called, or to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. What do we do with our problems? I suggest you in 1 Peter 5.7, Casting all your care upon Him. 
for he careth for you. Give that problem to God. God can solve that problem. Philippians 1.6 tells us how God has something that he's doing and working in our life, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So problems solved. Number two, needs supplied. Now, the day before, Saul had some food to eat at that dinner that Samuel had and gave him the honor there. But we don't know about him carrying any more food around. In fact, uh, in the previous chapter, whenever they're going to go talk to Samuel, the servant says, we don't have any food. We have just a little bit of money. We can give that as a gift to the prophet Samuel. But he didn't have any food. They run out of food. They could go hungry while they're wandering around looking for these donkeys. But God supplies some food through these total strangers in verses 3 and 4. Now, Bethel, El at the end is the name for God, in the case the Lord. This is a place of worship. There are various places of worship, not one set place like Jerusalem is the place of worship here in early Israel. And so uh, it's another place that people would go to offer sacrifices. They had a high place there for that. And so these fellows are taking three sheep, there's three men, they're taking some food with them, they're going to make an offering there to the Lord. Thou shalt go on forward from thence, in verse 3, and thou shalt come to the plain Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. So they're taking these things to offer to the Lord. These are spiritually minded men who are worshiping God, and God uses them to supply the need for food for Saul. Now, sometimes we, we think about food, shelter, clothing, some of the necessities of life. And do we think about those things and really give God the glory and give Him the credit because He provided those things for us. In Philippians 4.19, the Bible says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Everything we really need in life, God will supply for the Christian. David said, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. We can trust the Lord to provide for our needs. Now, there's a difference between needs and wants. And in our discussion, you can try to articulate what the differences are between our needs and and our wants. But God will supply all of our need. God provides us abilities and skills. He gives us jobs and opportunity. God supplies food and shelter. And many times He uses the work of our hands and the effort of our head in the workplace to provide those things. He's given us those abilities and we can use those abilities to glorify Him, to depend on Him. And yet we can work and get things done and God can use that even to supply our needs. Sometimes we earn those blessings in a way. I was talking to one senior saint recently, and she said, Every day I pray, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And the reason she prays that way is so that she can take her next breath. It's hard to breathe. And we we can take our health for granted, the opportunity to breathe. That's a gift from God. It is a need to have that oxygen. One day we won't need oxygen anymore to be our time to expire, our time to die. But until that moment, God will supply everything that we need to live. 
everything that we need in order to serve him in whatever life stages and with whatever opportunities that God gives to us in those life stages. And so let's keep trusting God to provide what is needed. Problems solved. Needs supplied. How about this? Weakness, spirit empowered. Verses 5 and 6. After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high places. They have all their musical instruments. Verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt be shalt uh, prophesy with them and shalt be turned into another man. All of this was evidence in verse 7 that God is with Saul. And so he's spirit empowered. In fact, when, when Saul turns around from Samuel, he has a new heart the Spirit of God gives to him. Think about this. Without God, we are weak. And with God, we have the enablement of the Spirit of God to do and to be who God wants us to do and to be. God enabled Saul that he would be changed into a different person. Now, sometimes people think this is a conversion experience where he is spiritually regenerated. But language like that is not found in the Old Testament. It's it's like this renewal. It's not just that he's He's becoming, like we would say, a Christian, but he is being renewed by the Spirit of God. Just like the old prophets, the Holy Spirit would empower the prophets to speak and deliver a message at a certain time. Some of them would have the ability to to perform miracles and would evidence God's power through them because of the Holy Spirit of God. So what's happening here? He's getting this new heart. The Spirit of God is enabling him to be able to lead God's people, to be able to take them into battle, to be able to govern them in a way that God would have them to uh, have him to govern them. So the Spirit took an inexperienced young man and gives him the ability to lead God's people. It's an amazing thing what God can do. God's Spirit can help us to be the wife and the mother the husband and the father, the parent or the son or daughter that God wants us to be. God's Spirit can empower you to be the worker at work, the owner of the company, the student in the school, the member of the church, the Christian that God has called for you to be. He can empower you to do that. But we're weak without Him. Saul knew that he could not do this on his own. I mean, the first king? Really? Me? I mean, could it be somebody else that would be the king? Maybe they'll choose someone else. I'll go hide among the stuff. Maybe they'll choose somebody else. I think Samuel was made, he must have made a mistake. Even though those things came to pass, I don't know if I can do this. But all of this was proof God is with Saul. And his anointing was an evidence that this was the will of God for this moment in his life. Have you ever said, why me? Why now? You got the wrong person. Or I can't do it. I'm not worthy. Have you ever thought that or said that? Well, without God, we can get it done. We can't do it. In first or second Corinthians 12, verse 9, he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Some things do not make human sense, but God can use our lives and even our weakness, physical frailties, to glorify Him and to show His strength 
in our lives. Spiritual weakness can be changed by God. Emotional weakness can be reversed by God. Physical weakness can be used by the Lord. Our power for the Christian life comes from God. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses and to be the Christians that God called for them to be. We have the same power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. God gives clarity to our calling. God gives these three signs of problem solved, need supplied, and weakness. Oh yes, the answer to that is spirit empowered. I think it's an amazing thing what God does in Saul's life. One sad thing, just as a side note, this is all temporary. It's all temporary because there's not going to be a king or scepter apart from the tribe of Judah. And Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin. Saul's kingship is a response to God's people, the Jewish people, demanding a king. And God says, this is my man for this moment. It's not a long-term proposition, however. So, God can give clarity. Do you need some clarity in your life? Seek the Lord. Find some problems solved, needs supplied, and your weaknesses? Yes, the Spirit of God can supply the power that you need for each day. Please enjoy your conversation and take some time to pray. God bless.